Welcome in to Sport and Order. Yes, this is America's number one debate show on the internet in the afternoon, on Mondays, or whenever you are watching Sport and Order. We've got 11 questions today, and our panelists will get 30 seconds each to weigh in on their best answers, their best takes, their best ideas on how to move sports forward, because we do need some help these days. A lot on the line. Our contestants today, one, out of Hamlin University and a man who has dominated the Chicago media scene in ways that have never been seen before. He goes by at the Catman. He's brought in the recap, which he's doing in his living room every night on all Cubs games. Uh, David Kaplan, my mentor, welcome to Sport and Order. Mark, it's an honor to be on your fine show and to get to tangle with David Haw, one of the finest college football players I ever saw. I'm excited. Straight out of Ball State, a man who saw the MAC get canceled, and we'll get into that in a little bit here. Uh, David Hoff, of course, long, long time with the Tribune as their lead columnist, now dominating mornings at WSCR 670 Chicago and former teammate on the radio and TV with the Catman. Uh, David, are you uh, this emotional for you being paired up with Cap today? Well, you know, anytime I can learn from you, Carm, you know I'm going to take advantage of that, and anytime I can make Cap – look like maybe he's not uh, equipped to talk sports I'll take advantage of that as well uh Richard if you could give, I think there's uh, David on uh, two points please to start two points uh, for David Just remember Hall. that when I do school him you know what we say take that take that <laughs> we're doing H's on the back screen for Haw and K's for cap and I think that that was just a phenomenal way that David Hodges welcomed himself to sport in order. You too, Catman. All right, let's get in it, guys. 11 questions, and we're going to start with baseball, and we're going to start with Oakland's Ramon Laureano, who got hit by a pitch yesterday for the third time in the three-game series with the cheating Astros. He then is getting yelled at by the Astros' dugout and their hitting coach, and he proceeds to charge the entire Astros' dugout. So Oakland hitters were hit five times in the series, the question on the table is, what should the punishment be for Loriano for trying to take on the entire Astros team in a pandemic? David Kaplan, we start with you. First of all, Loriano was not in the wrong here. Now, he will get punished slightly. Alex Cintron should be fired by the Houston Astros today. He's a punk. He's a chump. He challenged Ramon Laureano came out on the field, said some very disparaging things, according to people that heard the conversation. He should absolutely be suspended by Rob Manfred, and the Astros should announce, we don't tolerate that stuff, especially we're told not to fight the pandemic. Alex Cintron, tell your story walking. You're out of a job. Hashtag take that. Alex Cintron yeah. on Blaster didn't even give a punishment to Laureano. David Hall, what do you think? I'm not going to advocate somebody get fired here. I'm also not going to name call. Um, I am going to say that if Rob Manfred is serious about what he said, he's got to drop the hammer. I think he's got to lay out suspensions and double figures for both guys. This cannot be tolerated. You saw no social distancing. You saw them ignore everything that Rob Manfred said was important. So, no, I don't know about firing him. This was a, an emotional response. They're being – the, you know, the, the Astros are going to be involved in stuff like this all season long. But I do think that double-digit games in terms of a suspension would be warranted and deserved. What about for the rest of the season? Just to throw that out there as a add-in conversation. You I would be fine with that. Uh, you want to suspend him the rest of the season? 
He is a coach. He is supposed to set an example. And when Ramon Lariano gets hit three times, one of them way up here where you can kill somebody, enough is enough. And then the coach challenges him, get the H out of here. Carm, since the season might end next week, I'm all in favor for that. <laughs> it, it very well might. Can we get a bubble, please? Uh, let's move on. Speaking of seasons ending and players not following the COVID laws here, we go to Cleveland Indian starter Zach Plesak, who beat the Chicago White Sox on Saturday and then afterwards decided, you know, it feels like a great night to go out to dinner with my friends. The Indians found out. They sent him home in a car. And I'm wondering what should the proper punishment be for Zach Plesak for putting himself in harm's way? David Hall, you're up. Well, I think it was punishment enough to have him drive one-way rental from Chicago to Cleveland because that toll road is no fun, I can tell you that. But uh, I think beyond that, that, again, Major League Baseball has to step in here, and I think the Indians as well, to send a message and to make him an example. It's unfortunate because he's really pitching well. He's a young kid. I know he's 25. I am a little partial. He did play at Ball State. I was a Ball State athlete as well. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. So I would think that missing a start would be a good place to start in terms of discipline. I don't think more than that because what he did was wrong. It was dumb. It was also the product of probably immaturity and youth. Negligent for sure. David Kaplan. Uh, I couldn't disagree more vehemently with my fine friend David Haw than I'm going to right now. He put his teammates, he put everyone in that organization that's in that travel party and anyone that they play against at risk with absolutely no regard for the protocol officer who's in the hotel that he has to check in with. It was all a bunch of pablum when he looked into the cameras and said a week ago, oh yeah, we've got to be really careful. We've got to socially distance. We can't do anything that would get us in trouble. And then I pitched really well on Saturday, so I earned the right to go to dinner. 30 days, you're suspended without pay. Take that. It's your scoring system, Carm, but using Pablum in a sentence might get Cap an extra point. I, I that's what I gave him a point for Pablum, and if okay. anybody could tell me what that means, I, I'm very much interested because I've I'm never impressed. heard that word Pablum. Cap, do you actually know what the word means that you just said? Yeah, I actually do, Mark. <laughs> oh, I don't know okay. if they taught that at the, at the University of Hartford. <laughs> Only one year at Hartford. Why do I always get shot at for Hartford? I, I graduated from the University of Iowa. Know that, Sport and Order fans. Yes, the high school career was a little on the downside, so I spent one year at Hartford with Vin Baker, I might add, who was picked eighth overall in the NBA draft out of – by the Milwaukee Bucks. All right, 8-8 eight, eight after two questions, a very spirited two questions to start here. As we stay with baseball, and I, I want you guys to speculate. Cap, you're up first here. The injury list is getting longer and longer and longer. Corey Kluber, Justin Verlander, Shohei Otani had all sorts of problems. Steven Strasburg, Marcus Stroman, joined by Madison Bumgarner. If you bring it to Chicago, Ronaldo Lopez, Carlos Rodon. At this point in time, on August the 10th, can we safely deduct, deduce that baseball has put its players in harm's way that could have lasting effects, racing everyone back at the last minute for a shortened season? Cap, what do you think? A hundred percent. It was not enough time for the re-ramp up to get this thing started. Now, certain guys, Tyler Chatwood and Kyle Hendricks come to mind, kept throwing in Arizona. They made sure they got tested and then they worked out together. 
and basically quarantined that way so they could keep their arm strength up. Other guys in baseball did that as well. I can't speak for everybody, but as Steve Stone told me yesterday, it wasn't enough time to get a finely tuned pitcher's arm where it needs to be. And when you start playing competitive baseball games, sometimes guys think they can do more than they probably should. So it's not going help me. Was that at lunch at Harry Carey's with Stoney? No, it'd actually be breakfast at Espresso yesterday. <laughs> yeah, here's a broom to sweep up those names you keep dropping. Look, I understand that this is a, a thing because there's so many high-profile pitchers who have gotten injured, but I hesitate to call it reckless. I don't know what Major League Baseball could have done differently in that to have a longer spring training to condense the season to even fewer than 60 games. I, I don't even think they're going to be some teams that play 50 games, so you're – you're really caught in between there. Now, the only thing if you want to criticize them for not getting on the field and back to spring training sooner, absolutely, that's a valid criticism. But this is going to be part and parcel of bringing pitchers back. The arms are tender, and that is a problem that they contributed to. But it's difficult for me to say fully that that is their fault or place blame there. Yeah, so my this is the biggest cost to me, by the way, of the players and owners going back and forth for as long as they did. If they had gotten on the same page, you could have had a longer spring training, and guys are going to feel this by not being on the field and getting to do what they love. 11-10 here after three questions. David Hall, you're up here as we move to my favorite, the NBA. Paul George, this is a, such a good one, Paul George and Pat Beverly waving to Damian Lillard after Lillard missed two free throws with 18 seconds left. The Blazers were down one. The Blazers lost the game. Lillard then goes out and drops 51 on the Sixers, which was sweet. They were waving by because they thought the players, the Blazers were going to be eliminated, but Portland's still well alive here. So Lillard then calls George and Beverly chumps for jumping on teams while Damian has remained loyal to Portland. Is Lillard the coolest player in the NBA for his loyalty and his trash-talking skills? David Haw. Well, I think also his ability to score 50 makes him even cooler. I don't know that he's the coolest, Carm, because if you're talking about loyalty, I think Steph Curry is in that, in that conversation because he's, you never heard a hint of him going anywhere. Um, I love Lillard. I love everything about him. I think if you're talking about style in terms of cool, Russell Westbrook has probably got him there. But as a combination, I think that Lillard is at least among your top three guys in terms of cool if you're measuring the cool quotient. I love how you just broke down cool. That was a strong answer by David Hom. Cap, what do you got? Well, if I'm measuring the cool quotient, anybody that can pull up from 45 feet and just <laughs> rain jump shots, that is the epitome of cool. Look, I love Pat Beverly. Chicago kid, Marshall High School, tough lockdown defender. I like the trash talking because it's fun. They are having a good time. Maybe they'll be proven right. Maybe they'll, the Blazers will be gone. Maybe they'll be proven wrong. Either way, Damian Lillard the next night with the ultimate hashtag, take that. So wait, so they shouldn't fire uh, Pat Beverly for talking too much or trash talking? Or is that just the Astros? Oh, That's I'm just sorry. the Astros okay. for causing a fight in a pandemic. I'm getting mixed You're up in your warped logic there. Oh, this is that that is that is a good little uh, parsing by by David. Did I use that correctly? I think I did. Good use of parse by me. Hashtag Carm. All right, we're we're tied up here as we go to question five, fourteen apiece. Cap, you're up. We're going homebound here with the Chicago Bulls, who of course are not playing basketball right now, but they are getting some attention. 
for perhaps sticking with their head coach, Jim Boylan, for at least the time being and maybe for another season. Can you please explain to me why the Bulls are sticking with the coach that players have openly complained about after they restructured their front office cap? Explain to me what Bulls basketball is doing. Well, I think when you have an owner who came out and said, we've got nine-figure losses between his basketball and his baseball team, uh, that means that over $100 million lost. We've got a coach. We're not going to have any flexibility to get free agents, so why not let him coach the team anyway and see how it goes? I couldn't disagree more with Jerry Reinsdorf in that perspective. Simply put, Jim Boylan is not a good basketball coach. His record is not good. His players don't want to play for him, and he makes a million six. A team that's worth $3.2 billion, a million six, that's walking around money to a guy like David Haw. Absolutely, 100% need a coaching change. David, what's your shot at this? I'm not dismissing the fact that Reinsdorf talked about, you know, the, the losses and all those things that he's talked about crying poor. But, you know, it caps right, $3 billion is what the Bulls are worth. So don't talk to me about paying two coaches and why that's problematic. I think this, this is the way I'm interpreting it. Number one, I think uh, Kornishovis wants to say that he is credible, he is patient, he is not going to be unfair in evaluating guys. The other thing is, more so, maybe he doesn't like the players that are giving him this opinion, and he doesn't put that much stock in what they have to say. You have to consider that. We're saying the core is good and worth keeping. Do the Bulls' new decision makers agree? I don't know. I do wonder about that point if Jerry Reinsdorf is sitting there in a room with our tourists. Hey, are these guys any good? No, they're not. Well, then, you know what? Uh, until we get the guys in here, then we'll get the coach. I do wonder if that's going on. I think it's at least on, on the table. 16 apiece here as we move to question six. David Hall, you're up first. As we stay in the NBA one more. The Lakers and the Clippers are both having their troubles in the bubble. Got a little rhyme in there. Very proud of myself on that one. Who are you more confident come playoff time and by the way, also, is there any playoff matchup you'd want to see more than L.A. versus L.A.? Deha, what do you got? Actually, yes. I would like to see Lakers-Rockets. I, I love the way the Rockets play. I love the experimental notion, of, uh, the, the aspect of what they're doing and how they're doing it. I love that kind of approach. I'm thinking all Lakers, look, they understand what this was what, in terms of where we are in the NBA bubble. They're trying to play toward the postseason. They're not going to peak too early. They're not overreacting to some issues early. So I think they're going to be fine. Of the two teams, it's going to be LeBron and AD. Those are going to be the two guys that are going to carry this team, I think, to the Western Conference Finals. Maintaining that Laker confidence. Cap? Yeah, I couldn't disagree with David Moore about how the Rockets play. Uh, look, I hate teams that don't guard anybody and have no concept of what shot selection is. Reminds me of the Ball State teams we used to beat up on in the early 1980s. I'm just telling you, Lakers-Clippers would be an amazing series. I'm rooting for the Clippers to win that series because I'm a huge Doc Rivers guy. I love Kawhi Leonard, the way he plays. I love Pat Beverly. The Lakers and the Clippers would be an amazing series. The Rockets are an embarrassment to how you play team basketball. Didn't you coach at Northern Illinois? Have I heard that once before? I absolutely did. I used to enjoy going into Muncie getting a win, and then grabbing something to eat from, like, gourmet dining there, like Taco Bell, and taking it back to DeKalb. Cap was such an impactful assistant coach that he got his way, made his way all the way into broadcasting. <laughs> I should get a point for Firing that. away here. 
as we six questions through it's 19 for cap 18 for haw and what is looking like a thriller as we move to college football and this is changing by the minute but as of right now the pac-12 and the big 10 are reportedly going to cancel their football seasons tomorrow the acc and the big 12 are considering it while the sec they seem to be looking for any avenue to play uh, is there a path forward here to save the college football season, the fall college football season cap? I do not believe there is. Until we have a vaccine and until we have herd immunity as it results in getting people past COVID-19, I don't see how you play the ultimate contact sport. I love college football. Well, as my astute son, Garrett, who played offensive lineman said, we were spitting in each other's face on every play. You're banging heads. There's nothing you can do about it. So move it to the spring or announce we're not playing until next fall. Those are both better options than trying to play now. And the people in the SEC, they're greedy. They're only thinking about money. No chance they play. David Hall, you used to spit in people's faces as an elite defensive back, did you not? Only impressed. I, I have been spat on. I've never spat at. So I think we need to make that distinction. But it does happen, and and that's exactly right. Look, I love college football more than any other sport that I'm around. But this is not the time to be putting to be following your heart. You have to follow your head, and you have to understand the virus is going to dictate what happens. This isn't professional football, no matter how much it resembles it. You're not talking about guys making their livings here. You're talking about 18, 22 year old student athletes. You can't go rogue, SEC. Stop it. Just stop it. Big 12, don't start to poach Big 10 teams and ask Nebraska if you're interested. You cannot have free agent teams leaving conferences for one season. Stay away from the players in the Mid-American Conference too, by the way. Don't poach those guys. Stop making this confusing. It's unsafe to play college football until 2021, and then let's talk. And that brings us to our college football players as we get to question eight. The football players, and maybe even that's going to, of course, go to other sports at different times as well, but let's just focus on the football players for now. They're saying that they need a union to protect the players. Now, the NCAA has fought unionizing forever. Maybe it would be a nonprofit situation. But would it be good for the long-term health of college athletics way past the pandemic here if the NCAA actually empowered its college athletes? What do you think, David Hoff? Carm, let me be, let me be careful here. Look. I like this question and I understand it, but it's the wrong question to ask at this time. This is not a movement about players banding together and then let's let's give them a voice here. This isn't this the pandemic's not about empowering players. It's about protecting them and protecting them from themselves. There's a feeling of invincibility. Every Trevor Lawrence out there feels that they can't get sick and they can't get hurt by this. They're wrong. And it's up to the adults in the room to remind them of that. So this is not about empowerment. This is about protection. Cap, what do you think? Well, I do not disagree, surprisingly, with my friend David Haw. I do think that there has to be some protection for these players. It's gone on far too long where you have coaches with shoe deals making huge money. And what do the players get? Oh, you get a couple free pair of shoes and a cool warm-up suit to wear on the plane. It's time to empower the players. It's time to stop letting them be the pack mule that the NCAA makes billions of dollars off of. And it's time to unionize college athletes, men, women, in all sports. 
So I, I think it's very interesting, too, because there are two things going on here. Number one, it's protecting the players from themselves. And number two, like, what does this look like going forward? Very thoughtful answers uh, by both of you on that particular topic. All right, we move on to question nine. We segue into the NFL, which and alongside college football as well here, because the NFL is watching this right now, apparently, and they've got a little bit of interest or a lot of interest, and they remain intrigued. Uh, by one report, by the Saturday television real estate that could be opening up here if college football doesn't play. Should the NFL, if they proceed with this season, alter their schedule to take advantage of this Saturday TV real estate? Cap, you're up. Absolutely they should. If there's not going to be college football there and that real estate is open, have at it for a year. When college football comes back, it will reclaim its rightful spot. You tell me that the NFL is going to try and bigfoot college football and take over Saturdays, I would tell you that's incorrect. Those two entities have to be able to work together. But if we're not going to have college football on Saturdays, have at it, National Football League. Give us more. It's interesting because college sports has gone to Friday night and bigfooted high school sports. David Hall, where are you at? I'm wondering what I'm going to do my Tuesday nights without Mid-American Conference football. So, hey, if the NFL can play on Tuesday, let's do Tuesday night football, put together a crew and get it done. Look, you said in question, should the NFL take advantage? They wouldn't be taking advantage of Saturdays. They'd be providing a public service to every football fan out there starving for some live results. Absolutely. If you want Friday night, go ahead and take Friday night too because this year in a lot of towns, Friday night lights are going to be turned off because they're not going to play high school football either. So the NFL can help us get through a fall by providing as much entertainment as possible safely and intelligently do it. It sounds like both of you think we're going to have NFL football. Am I reading that right? Uh, At this point, I do because professional athletes, this is all they do. College students have to go to college, have to have some semblance of a student athlete schedule. I do think pro football might happen. And there's also better testing and there's more access to testing and the optics aren't quite as bad when you're talking about professional football league rather than a college campus with college presidents making those decisions. All right, one more on college football here. David, you touched on this, but let me ask the question directly because the MAC has already decided not to play. The Ivy League's out. This is similar to how college basketball season finally came to an end and everybody joined. Going forward, Should individual conferences be able to make their own calls or should the NCAA have one universal decision maker to decide things as important as postponing or canceling a season? And by the way, if you want to riddle me on to why this has happened this way, I'm open to that too. David Hall, you're up. When you have a leader like Mark Emmer as weak and limited in his powers and scope, yes, you have to make an adjustment. Yes, the NCAA should have a college football czar that makes one decision that is uniformly followed by the SEC, by every Power Five conference. And then then you have somebody who tells you the difference and makes different rules for the Power Five conferences and everybody else. Because Power Five conferences, college football is about the destination. And in other everywhere else, it's about the journey. And I think that is a distinction that needs to be made. Cap, where are you going? At the car, look. I was doing a college basketball tournament in March Madness, and the league I was working for started hearing other leagues were canceling. Should we cancel? Well, let's wait and see what the Big 12 does, and let's see what the Big East does. You need a czar for each sport so that men's basketball gets a phone call 
Bob Smith, he's ahead of men's basketball. They're canceled. Pull the plug. Everyone's done. It shouldn't be that Sean Frazier at Northern Illinois has this amazing impact. He's a great guy, but he shouldn't be the lead dog on why we're not having college football on the Mac. There should be a czar for each sport, men and women, and they report to Mark Emmert or whoever is running the NCAA. Bring in the czar. Just, a, just such a bizarre time in college athletics right now. Well, can you come over here and play? I, I, it's, it's truly, truly incredible as uh, some are trying to have a season, some are not. I, I, find it, I find it amazing. All right, 29 apiece here, team, as we are on question 11, our final question in a spirited sport and order, Cap versus Haw. Cap going first here. And, okay, we're doing a whole vision here for the NFL. Baseball, multiple outbreaks. College football, cancel, postpone until the spring at the best. That's what, that's what it looks like. Give me your best plan right now that Roger Goodell can look at this sport in order and say, you know what, that's the way to do it, to have at least a somewhat vibrant, successful, entertaining, amazing NFL football season. Cap, what do you got? Well, I'm going to take the plan that we had talked about for baseball, and we're going to regionalize the schedules for one year. You're going to have Midwestern teams put into a bubble in Chicago where we have thousands upon thousands of empty hotel rooms. And we're going to play games in and around the area. If you've got a stadium, looks to me like it's NFL size. Not going to be any fans. Northwestern, Notre Dame is an hour and a half away. You've got Soldier Field. We're going to play games here. The East, they'll do it in New York. The West, they'll do it in Los Angeles. And you have USC and you've got the Rose Bowl and UCLA and all of them. So you've got plenty of opportunities to sequester, keep guys safe, and play football. Two-point lead here. I've seen a lot of shaking of head by David Hall. Let's see where he's going. Look, that sounds good. It's not real practical. This is practical. This is what you do. You have every team that has a hotel complex or a facility or whatever, and you invite the players there and you say, okay, look, this is a sacrifice, but this is what it's going to take for us to stay safe and do like the NHL did. The NHL was smart. They went to Canada, and they became the New Zealand of sports leagues because no positive tests in the last – you know, two testing rounds, but the NFL says, this is where we're going to stay players. You're going to be sequestered in this hotel facility. And you're going to go from there to the football facility. We're going to play our games. We're going to test regularly. And we're going to get this done responsibly without having this regional bubbleization and changing the schedule. You're just going to do the schedule the way it's, it's already planned. And you're going to isolate your players as much as possible because they're willing to take that sacrifice if they want to get paid. Or, yeah, no, I'm going to regionalize it, limit my travel for one year, and keep my guys safe and healthy. So hold on, we're on we're in overtime here in, in Sport and Order for the first time in Sport and Order history. Just so, so I understand here, David Haw, you're saying that you want one standard bubble for the entire league, all of the NBA and all of the NHL. No, 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 no. I'm saying I'm saying the NHL that worked for them. I'm saying every team, every individual team, like the Saints have done in New Orleans. You get you go to Whatever hotel facility is near the Saints facility, players, you stay there, you take, you get transported back and forth, and you are doing that responsibly rather than go to this regionalization thing, which I don't think is real practical. Okay, so you're saying that we're going to have the same schedule, but you're going to, you're going to make people stay in one central location. And Cap, you want to regionalize bubbles. A hundred percent, because if you trust each team, we've seen what happened in Major League Baseball when we trusted the Cardinals and the Marlins. 
it didn't work. You have the Cubs at one end where they have had, thank God, zero tests. You've got other teams that don't take it as serious. Zach Plesak, as your question earlier, announced. So, no, I am making sure I'm controlling regional bubbles. Cap should be deducted for trying to make Zach Plesak feel responsible for the demise of the NFL. Yeah, I mean, that is. should be a deduction right there. He is. I, I, it, this is this is painful for me because I, I did have David Haw as a slight favorite in Vegas, but I, I am going to award a slight victory to at the Cap Man. Carm, <laughs> let me ask you this. How many Malnati's gift cards did it take for you to give Cap a one-point victory? Give Come on now. Uh, I haven't, for the truth of matters, I haven't seen a Malnati's gift card in like six years. Can we bring back Sports Talk Live with, with gift cards, please, in hey, the new version? Don't forget the gift cards. <laughs> Cap needs to be deducted just for that week celebration. My goodness <laughs> sakes. That should uh, be a minus two right there. <laughs> Can we get one more take that for the record here? That would be a hashtag, take that. <laughs> Tremendous battle. Love you both. Thank you for joining Sport and Order. And, uh, Check it out every Monday afternoon, and we look forward to listening to you on the radio, both of you, seeing you both on TV as you continue your amazingly successful media careers that we are all envious of. Thank you for giving us Thank time you. on Sport in Order today. All Thanks, right, Barry. great to be with you guys.